0: We have a few readings today. The first one will be from Matthew chapter 4, verses 23 to 25. Jesus traveled throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues. He announced the good news of the kingdom and healed every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread throughout Syria. People brought to him all those who had various kinds of diseases, those in pain, those possessed by demons, those with epilepsy, and those who were paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds followed him from Galilee to Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and from the areas beyond the Jordan River. next reading is from James chapter 5, verses 14 through 15. If any of you are sick, they should call for the elders of the church, and the elders should pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. Prayer that comes from faith will heal the sick, for the Lord will restore them to health, and if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Final reading is from Psalms 103. Verses 2 through 4. Let my whole being bless the Lord and never forget all his good deeds. How God forgives all your sins and heals all your sickness. Saves you from the pit. Crowns you with with faithful love and compassion. This is the story of faith and faithful struggle.
1: Let us be in a spirit of prayer. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each one of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. And may we, like Samuel, cry out and say, Speak, Lord, for we are listening. Amen. You'll hear that the theme that wove through these three pieces of scripture from both the Old and New Testaments was healing. People calling on God for healing. People praying to accomplish a healing in their lives. I have a friend who's also a clergy person, and she wrote me a note about a month ago on Facebook. And she said that her brother-in-law had been in a very serious bicycle accident where he had hit a rock and fallen down a 100-foot ravine and was unconscious and wasn't found for at least an hour after the incident happened. And once he was airlifted out, he was brought to a metropolitan hospital where they attended to his injuries, and it was found that his spine was severed. And it was thought that he would be a paraplegic for the rest of his life and so she was reaching out to me and other friends for prayer confident in god's ability to heal now some of you have reached out to god in prayer have reached out to each other for prayer and sometimes we see wonderful miraculous healings and sometimes we don't there are times when someone who has had such a serious injury may not walk again. But I would say to you that there is a difference between a healing and a cure. There is opportunity in every situation for healing, even ones that don't result in physical healing. Sometimes, There is even need for healing of emotional issues or or spiritual things or other things that are going on in our lives. And we have a real opportunity to participate in prayer for each other in those instances. My friend wrote me back just this week, and she said this, I don't care if you believe that prayer has some effect on the outcome of life or not. One cannot deny the great upwelling of love and peace that comes just from knowing others are making space in their lives and devoting their energy and spirit to root for the needs, joys, hopes, worries, fear, loss, or pain that define your reality and or the world's. She says prayer is love. Prayer changes everything. Prayer is where we become fully human. So, in that particular situation, even though the physical healing hasn't been all that we hoped it might be, there has been healing. There is wholeness. There is a movement towards peace by understanding that God walks with us even in these most difficult of times that we can hold each other up, that we can enter into each other's lives, that we can make space for each other through our prayer lives, and that healing can occur. The image that you see here today is an image of something called kintsugi. In Japanese culture, there's an art form that where a piece of pottery breaks, rather than just throwing the pieces away, it is mended with glue that has been added gold dust. And so the piece that results is even more beautiful than it was when it was created. Do you see the connection? Do you see where when we are broken and we reach out to each other for healing, for prayer, for space in our lives, that we come together with the golden glue of our friends? praying for us, loving us, supporting us through these difficult times. There's, a, there's also a saying in the Native American culture that when there is a piece that has an imperfection in it, that's where the spirit enters, right? And I think that's so true of us, too. When we are broken, there's an opportunity there for us to come and support each other and love each other and lift each other up. The spirit enters right there. There are movements in the larger culture that are in need of our prayer, in need of that space in our lives. Things like Me Too, things like that movement where women are being encouraged to bring their stories forth. And the reason I bring that up today is because sometimes when we see someone else that doesn't obviously have an ailment or a brokenness, if there's not a large scar that we're looking directly at, we think, oh, they're fine. Or even when we ask, how are you, and they tell us what their particular problem is, we go, oh, that's, that's nothing. Maybe we've experienced it ourselves and had an easy time with it, or maybe we just don't find the consequence in it that they do. But we learned through the Me Too movement that we don't have a right to judge somebody else's pain. We don't have the right to say whether it's okay. Because pain is real, and we all experience it differently. A few weeks ago, when I preached on another topic, I said that I would post a video on my Facebook page, which you're all welcome to go and see. It's one that emanates from the Cleveland Clinic. They have this video that shows people walking through the halls of the clinic, and they all look just fine. What you don't know is what they're feeling and thinking and experiencing inside. That one man has just been asked for a divorce, that somebody else has just been given a cancer diagnosis, that somebody else has just heard of the birth of their new great-grandson. People are experiencing things every day, and we need to express empathy to each other because we don't know what other people are going through. And even when we do, we don't know how it's impacting them until we become a part of their lives, until we get to know them. And that's what's so precious about the church is that we come together as this family to love and support one another, to get to know one another, so that when these kinds of things occur, we are present to each other. Small groups are like that, even if your small group isn't put together for that thing. Even if your small group is a committee or a choir or whatever it might be. We all, when we get to know each other better, we can do this so much more effectively. I wanted to share with you, one of my uh, devotionals this week came from the Society of St. John the Evangelist. It's a monastery down in Cambridge. And Brother Curtis Almquist wrote this one. He says, what may on first glance seem to us a stain on another is probably not a stain, but a scar, which they wear heroically. Everyone has a story. If their story is a mess, we can be sure that someone taught them this story. If our reaction to someone is rejection or condemnation, we probably don't know enough about them. If we did, we would also find mercy in our hearts for them. You see what he's saying there? About what might appear to us as a stain but is really a scar? And about the need for mercy. The need for us to enter each other's lives and share the grace that God has given to each of us that overflows so abundantly that how can we hold it all to ourselves? God has given us this gift of grace to share with each other. Now there are things that happen on a larger level that maybe we don't feel like we bear some responsibility for, but I think we do. I think we live in a culture where things happen. It's the human condition. There are some terrible things that happen out there. People are abused and assaulted, and we have the Me Too movement. Native Americans were forced from their land. We had slavery in this country. We still have issues. We still have terrible issues. And my point to you today is that we all need to understand that even though we aren't the actors in these things, we are complicit as a society in which these things happen. And so by being complicit, we need to take responsibility. We need to say, I'm sorry. I personally never held a slave. I don't even know if my family did. I suspect probably they did somewhere down the line. But I am sorry. I am deeply sorry for the way our LGBTQ friends have been treated by the church. I am so sorry for that. By being complicit, we also have an opportunity to act, to improve things in the future, to make our space more welcoming, to get to know each other so that we can provide that mercy to one another. So in this church, we've recently experienced a change. We're United Methodists. We know that our system is one where pastors change, and that's what it is but I suspect that some are feeling some grief. And because you've known for a while that Peter was going to be moving on, some of you have probably come to grips with it, have worked through your grief, have had a wonderful celebration at the time of their departure, his and Kathy's. Some of you may still grieve that, though. Some of you may still be in pain. Maybe maybe you had a special relationship or Peter helped you through a special time. And I acknowledge your grief. And I'm sorry for your loss. And I hope that we all can work together to to build a new future. Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers, Mr. Reverend Rogers, says, We live in a world in which we need to share responsibility. It's easy to say it's not my child, not my community, not my world, not my problem. But then there are those who see the need and respond. So even if we weren't directly involved in situations, I want us to all be ready to say, I'm sorry, to be able to respond with love to those who are hurting. I had the opportunity when I lived in Brattleboro to be a part of the Brattleboro Community Justice Center. And in that role, what we did is when people came out of prison, We facilitated their re-entry into community because so many times they had been gone for so long, so many years in prison, which is a very different culture than being here on the outside. So we had grants that were available to help them with security deposits, we were able to help find them jobs, but it's more than that. We needed something that we called a COSA to really help them integrate back into society. COSA, those letters stand for Circle of Support and Accountability, and we sat in a circle every week with these individuals to help them reintegrate into society. We talked with them about how things were going in their world and what could go better and provided them with support and accountability. And I think that's what we're called to do as United Methodists, as Christians. And, you know, I think that that's understood, too, because in our general rules for the church found in the Book of Discipline, it talks about support and accountability. It says that support without accountability promotes moral weakness, and accountability without support is a form of cruelty. More simply stated, if I'm a parent... If I'm a pushover, and let my kid do whatever they want, eat candy, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, run around like crazy, that's not good for them. They need structure. But if I provide them with too much structure, so much structure that they can't even express themselves as the individuals they are, that's cruel. So as a parent, I need to find the middle ground. I read an article once where it was stated really succinctly. In, in my background, I learned it as love and principle. And this article stated it as iceberg and jellyfish, which I thought was a great thing. (laughs) That we need to be that for each other. And when we're gathering together in small groups, we have that opportunity to support each other, to hold each other accountable. When I come in and I say to my group that I've done something terrible, they will hold me accountable. They will say, what were you thinking? Here's how we move on from that. If I come in and I need their support, my dog just got hit by a car, they are there for that too. That is what we are called to do as the family of Christ. To come together and support one another and hold each other accountable. Now you know that in the back of your bulletin each week I've been putting a little quarterback, some questions that you can look at throughout the week. And in this one, the last question says, hearing today's sermon, how might you help to restore someone else's wholeness through apology and reconciliation who can you pray for who can you reach out to in love so remember this image of wholeness that comes together with the glue the golden glue of our love for each other and think about who we can reach out to this week to share that reconciliation to share that apology Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift.